I like a very, very dry martini. I ask for a vermouth rinse. That's funny because I have the exact opposite martini order, which is I want it like wet as hell. I want it like no way. drippy drip in the pool, in the ocean, in the sea. Wet, wet, wet. Hello, I'm Allison Roman and welcome to Solicited Advice, the podcast where I get to do what I love most, give advice. Each week, I'm joined by a very special guest and several very special advice seekers as we do our best to solve all or at least one of your problems. Today, I have a very special guest as promised. You may know her as Tanks. I have been casually stalking Tanks for a quite some time. Not only is she a Virgo, not only does she love to give advice, she loves cats. And is she today's Dear Abby? Time will only tell, but we are thrilled to have her. I feel shy doing this in front of her because you may or may not know she has a already very successful podcast, wrote a whole book about basically giving advice. I mean, that's that's probably mm, yeah. reducing it a little bit. Mm. It's about a lot more than that. But her latest book, The Shift, is sort of a funny, honest, very relatable book of how to like have the life that you want. Thank you. Is that is that too reductive? No, that was perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> Introductions are always like I'm just always like, oh my god, I'm embarrassed. But thank you, you did a fabulous job and gas. Oh my me gosh, up, so yeah. I'm like, you. I'm gonna distill you into like seventy no, words. You know, and you're like, you. I'm more than that. That was perfect. But <laughs> yes, I love. We have we have a lot in common. I love giving advice. Love cats, love food. I we have we have overlap. So and back at you with the stocking. I'm thrilled to be here. I can't wait. Oh, good. Thank you. The first time I was like made aware of you was like somebody sent me a story of you cooking one of my recipes, and they're like, "Oh my god, Tinks is cooking one of your recipes." And I was like, "I am too old maybe to know who that is." And then I was like, "Oh no, I'm just bad at the internet. Like I, <gasps> no. my relationship with my phone is that I'm like." Paying less attention, not yeah. more. So I, this was like years ago, but anyway, that's good. And I was though. like, oh, this person's so funny. Less <laughs> less phone time is good, but yeah, I've cooked many of your recipes. I I actually can get through most of them without fucking them up. So it's you know that's a testament to you. Oh, and you. I yeah, I'm I'm like equally starstruck to be here. So thank you. I just I mean seriously, this is very cool. And in the virtual green room, it's in the virtual green room. It's a it's a you know I I honestly have questions about cooking too. So if there's time at the end, I'm gonna ask them. Great. <laughs> I am curious. Most people that start off on the internet, quote unquote, that like achieves some sort of success or virility like in either like a TikTok form or Instagram form and then use that opportunity to like really do something else is so impressive to me. And like, I'm like, absolutely. Because so many, it's like, no one's asking you to do that. You don't have to do that. But I feel like you took this one moment and you're like, you know what? I'm like going to build a full business out of it. And part of that business is going to like hinge on helping other people live a better, fuller life. And it's like, so admirable. Thank you. That's so kind. Yeah. I think that like when you're given a moment in the internet spotlight, it's really, it's partially random. So it's kind of like, okay, well, what do you want to do with that? And for me, I was like, oh my God, all of a sudden, like I have a moment and like maybe this person will take a meeting with me and maybe this person will will listen to me now. So I feel very lucky that I've been able to leverage the internet thing into doing what I wanted, aka writing a book, having a radio show, having a podcast, all that stuff. 
because I would be lying if I said it wasn't a lot easier to get those things if you didn't have a little bit of, you know, internet fame or internet followers, whatever you want to call it. It's helpful. It's helpful, yeah. (laughs) And that's just like, you know, we can debate the morality of that all day long, but that's kind of the world we live in. I mean, I was always a writer Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I was like a freelance writer. I had talked to publishers before and like, it was like really difficult. And then turns out all you need is a couple million followers and then I'm just kidding. That's it. It's honestly so easy it's when people just, are like, yeah, oh, back into like, it. Just That's what they should actually teach you yeah. in journalism school is not about how to be a journalist, is is actually how to be, just get Instagram followers so that then you get a book mm-hmm. deal easier. So yeah. How to do the thing to like get people to pay attention to you. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's so unfortunate and such a it's just, reality. Yeah. Yes. It's difficult. Like I've, I've obviously directly benefited from it. I am sure that it's very complex morally and just it, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, myself included, who are dubious about the way that we're setting the system up, so to speak, go forward with Instagram followers and influencers and all that stuff. But obviously I've benefited from it. So speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but... Yeah, it's been it's been no, okay. fun, and um, I love giving people advice. I just think for me, when people are like, "Why did you want to have an advice radio show?" I was just like, "There's nothing more human to me than two people or a couple people talking through a problem and just like weighing solutions." Like, I don't mm-hmm. claim to be an expert, but I just think it's it's really nice to just talk it out. Like, it's so humans have been doing yeah. that since the dawn of time. Like, sitting around a fire. Right maybe having a meal together and just being like, well, I got this issue. What do you guys think? You know, to me, yeah. that is so grounding and real and I love it. And it's it's wonderful. People and- used to like make pilgrimages to the top of a mountain to like seek advice from people. Totally. They're like, oh, I have to go see the lady to go do the thing. And now they can just tune in to a, a podcast. Exactly. When did you feel like you kind of tapped into being like, oh, that's my that's my avenue. That's my niche. That's my yeah. thing. Because there's so many things a person can do. So I, right when I started getting going up on the internet, I started doing Ask Me Anythings like on Mondays and Thursdays. And I realized after a year and a half, I was like, I have all this information of all of these women what's on their minds, what's keeping them up at night, what do they like about dating, what's stressing them out, this and that. And I was like, this just needs, I I want a more intimate way to be in conversation with my community. And to me, Mm -hmm. audio is so intimate to be in someone's ear. It's such a direct line. So I, I kind of just started to feel like, this would be, you know, the the pod would be a great way to have longer form conversations, synthesize all this information that I was receiving. I mean, sometimes I really feel like an anthropologist because I'm like listening to all of these women all every week. And I'm like, no, 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 don't worry, you guys. Everybody's feeling crazy about dating apps or no, we can have a consensus that this is super bad behavior, this, that, and the third. So I feel like in a unique position to 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 do it and I feel very lucky that I get to do it it's really a lot of fun and and I learn so yeah. much it's really it's really an open dialogue two ways yeah i feel like the instagram story thing also is well helpful for that 24 hour period it sort of expires totally. unless you're like trying to catalog every answer you've ever given and just like the the way that you can kind of drop in to a podcast or something or tune in rather intentionally. Yeah. Rather than like letting it wash over you. You're like, oh, only X amount of people saw this. Like exactly. how is there a way to just like broaden the reach? It's just like, yeah, I, I totally get it. And I feel like that was in like on like the cooking spectrum, that was sort of the way 
into this podcast as well, where I was just like, I'm answering the same questions over and over again, meaning everybody has right. like a similar question. <laughs> so let's also, A, normalize asking questions. Yes. B, give the answers like a bigger platform so more people can hear them. Totally. That's great. We're just two women trying to help people. Just what, trying to help Where's people. our med- I feel like yeah. we need like a prize. I'll give you, a, I don't know. This is this is your prize. I, I love uh, it. I love being my on prize. Zoom. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Well, this is our life now. One day we'll return to an actual studio, yeah. like as a collective people. I actually did go to like, on my last book tour, went to a few like podcast recording studios and I definitely felt like it was, they were like apocalyptic in that they used to be full and now are like a quarter of the way full. I know. And I think it's crazy. I mean, I know that people hear hear this bit of mine and roll their eyes because they're like, you're an influencer. Like you don't have to, you know, you just run around all day doing whatever influencers do. And I get that. But I always drinking say- Drinking iced coffee. Drinking probably. iced coffee, going to Pilates, yeah. getting my nails done, whatever. And if I did still have a corporate job, which I used to, I would want to go into the office. And I'm really not, I'm really serious about that. Like, I think that we all need to hang out yeah. with each other more in real life. Like, seriously, I, I, I've i actually been at a big push with my community this year to do more meetups in real life. Like, even more casual ones, just like, okay, let's all go for a walk or whatever, because I know we all have social anxiety, but that's exactly why we need to go and do things in real life or go to like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Going to the office is, I, I used to love it. You know, you go, you talk to people. I just people. feel more like accountable. Oh, I'm just same. like, oh, yeah. I will do more work. if It's like working out. Like in the pandemic or even now, and it's like, oh, you can like do a Peloton I can't do the thing house. from home. I, I, can't. I can't. I simply can't. I know. No. I love if a class. If somebody's not there. No. And I like the energy of the I other people. Won't. Like I prefer yeah. a group class to a private class. I'm like, I don't want you to adjust my leg. Like I'm here to sweat a little and move a little with other people. Like I genuinely enjoy yeah. being with other people in the class because it makes me feel energized. And I'm like, oh, come on, Tinks, like get your leg up, whatever. I can't do the at-home thing because I start for five minutes yeah. and I'm like, you know what sounds more fun than this? A snack or watching TV. or I'll just like check my email. Honestly, checking my email yeah. sounds more fun than yeah. whatever I'm like, awful oh. thing someone's asking me to do with my body. No, totally. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll skip this move because I don't really like it. And then I just stop. And then yeah. it's like, okay. It's, it's an awful downward spiral that, that leads to nowhere fast. Even if I'm like running on a trail and I like start to walk because I am tired of running and I see another person, I'll start running. Totally. As if they care at all that I'm no, not running, no, but I'm course. like, uh, they can't see me walking. Of course. Like, what? Of course. I'm, yeah. I, I Accountability. Accountability, baby. Accountability. Yep. <laughs> and what's more holding people accountable than answering their questions live on a, on a exactly. podcast? Which brings me to that and our first caller, which I'm very excited about. Okay, let's do it. I'm excited. Right. Okay. Great. Okay. We have Hannah Ryan calling in from Philadelphia, a city I really like. How can we help you? What is your question? Thank you for calling. So basically my question is, I waste a lot of time on my phone, like an endless amount of time. And I had written the question. I have like two little kids. I have a job. I'm not trying to like be amazing or be promoted or mom of the year, but I'm trying to sleep or do something that's not looking at my phone endlessly with the same social media apps for no reason. So that's kind of my question. How you guys like focus on what you should be doing or like what you're interested in and not Um, Can we take our next caller? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, like, can I phone a friend? This is not, I'm terrible. Tanks, why don't you take this one? (laughs) This is really tough. This is really, really tough. I struggle. I mean, my, I'm, 
I'm atrocious. Like, I don't feel qualified <laughs> to answer this at all. I My screen time is 10 hours a day. But I get it. So what do, what do you do? Just you just get on and you like doom scroll or... I like loop through, like, I'm like, oh, I have a second. I'm going to do Twitter. I'm going to do Instagram. You check check all of them. Email that like, is it my work email? There's nothing going on there. You get like a coupon. You get like a happy birthday from the dentist or a yoga studio you visited eight years ago. Like there's nothing or like a shipping note. Like there's just nothing relevant. And again, in like Instagram and Twitter, I don't know. You guys probably have exciting friends doing lots of things. All my friends are having kids. Like, it's not that exciting. We're all having no, my, a lovely my friends time. Are having kids too, which is exciting. <laughs> having kids seems exciting. But so my, I got my clarifying question would be: when you say your phone, are you more looking to like reduce your activity, like literally holding the device and like opening up the apps mindlessly, or are you also like it's really a social media thing, or is it? It's a mindless thing. It's a mindless okay. thing where like anytime I get a moment, it's like the first thing I do, and it just seems like a waste of time. Are you like channeling anxious energy into something? Are you like, I just mm. need to do something with my hands or something? Yeah, I think it's like almost like if I'm watching TV at night, which I don't do a ton, but I'm like, oh, I should like knit or do something so that my hands are busy. And I'm so not- So that like, you're not looking at your phone. Oh, yeah. I love, what are, is there a name for that? Like TV while phoning? It's like double yes. content. It's, it's it's bad. I know it's I do bad. it too. And you know, you know it's bad when you literally like congratulate yourself when you watch a TV show without your phone. So this is actually really funny. You probably don't know this about me, but I have a thing with my community called Phone Level. When I review a show or like I tell my followers about like a movie I watched, I'm like, it was phone level zero, meaning I didn't look at my phone at all. Or if oh, it was wow. phone level 10, that means I was like this the whole time. But like that's literally the measure of how good I think a show or TV or movie is now because I, everybody does that too. And I just, I mean, look, don't be, first of all, don't be hard on yourself. The phone is made to be addictive. Like they've shown yeah. those studies when they take babies and they like the phone lights up and the baby's one year old and it like has a serotonin boost. Like we're fucked. Yeah. I don't want to be a doomsday person, but like we're all addicted and we need to, I think for me, the, the, the best thing that I did, because I have, I've literally been through where you're at. I was like, I need to stop blaming myself because that's only making it worse. Like yeah. me sh- beating myself up. They literally sit in their, in their, you know, studios, the Apple room, whatever, Tim Cook, whoever it is, thinking, how can we make <laughs> this Mr. thing Apple more addictive? Yes, <laughs> Mr. Apple and Mr. Zuckerberg and Mr. Elon, they all think, how can we corrupt their minds more? So the first thing that I did, because I, I genuinely have phone addiction, is I was like. It's not my fault. You know, you wouldn't blame someone who was like, I don't know. Step (laughs) one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then the second thing is like, the only tip that I found, well, not the only tip, but the first thing that I'll say before I forget it is like, I started really, really getting into crazy into audiobooks because then I was like, and I, I know this might be different for you because I know you have kids and, and whatnot and and whatever. They don't really like, speak English yet. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. They're so they So They're little, anytime little. I would like go to my phone to just like mindlessly go on, I was like, no, you have to listen to your book. Oh. And I have literally listened to 11 books so far this year. <laughs> and this is not even normal reading. This is just listening. So it does help me a little bit because I am like often traveling by myself and I'm just like, okay, what else is there to do but go on Instagram? And I was like, no, listen to your book and it will make you smarter and it will make you happier and calm down more. It doesn't always work. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I just want to doom scroll on Instagram, but I think just having a way to like control, alt, delete and replace because it's Mm -hmm. really hard to just like say, 
no, I'm going to put this down yeah, replacing when, I, when is I'm huge. just sitting there. So it's like I've tried to replace it with something that feels at least, li- or even if I can't stomach a listening to a book, I'll do music instead. And I'll say to myself, oh, have a daydream and listen to music, which is something I do all the time and I find really fun. So to me, those two things really help. Stopping blame myself. Because then it's like, if you're like, picking up your phone to go on and you're like, you're so dumb. Why are you going on Instagram again? Then it just like makes the whole thing bad. I'm like, if you really want to have an Instagram moment, sit on your couch, look at your shit and then be done with it. It's fine. It's it's okay. Or I try to listen to a book. Okay. That was my advice. <laughs> I, I do. It is the replace. I also think like allowing yourself, like to me, that's like at the end of the night when I get in bed, I do yeah. my phone time. The replace, I think is tip one, right? Is like, if it's social media, I deleted Twitter from my phone. And when it changed over to X, I didn't even, I was like, I can't even log in again. I like lost my password for Twitter. And I was like, oh, okay. So I don't even, I haven't looked at Twitter, checked it in months. Oh, you're free. You're free. I'm so free. (laughs) I, I, because every time I looked at it, I was like, this looks bad and I feel bad. And it was like, honestly, Pavlovian. Where like, I wasn't getting like a jolt of like, yeah. And I didn't need it for my job in the way that I convinced myself that I did at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one app down. So now I have my email and my Instagram. The other thing I'll do is I'll text a friend instead yes. of looking on Instagram. I'll like that's ask, a good one. I'll like that's a really talk good to one. people. My biggest pet peeve is when people that I'm actually friends with will like DM me. Yeah. And like want to oh, engage yeah. and talk on that platform. I'm like, please take it to the text. You have my number text me because if the more I spend even on that interface, the more I'm like conditioned to be there. So I think like reducing the hours. Yeah. And so once I realized it was like a real problem and when I was single and I was on dating apps and I had like apps and Instagram and it was like so much. And I would of course go through the cycle of like getting frustrated and then I would delete the apps and then I need to replace that with something. So my two favorite apps now or three favorite apps now are Zillow, Etsy, and cherish slash first dibs. And this is not a plug for any of those companies, but they are things. And I'm not even necessarily actively shopping, but I am looking at stuff and like no, digging and Etsy yeah. especially and cherish mm-hmm. first dibs because you're like looking for things that no one else has. You're like searching for the yeah. whatever. And it's like a fun game that's just like, and then I have like, sh- you know, saved folders of like things that I'll buy one day. But it's like, a fantasy. I'm not buying homes. I'm not buying credenzas, but like it is nice to yeah. look at and it's good inspiration and is pretty harmless. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else while I do it. It isn't about coveting what other people have, except for the houses, of course, that it would that's be great. That's kind of like fantasy though. That's But normal. that's fine. That's fine. And then there's yeah. like less of an interaction. And I feel like what we come back for on our phones that keep us addicted is the interaction part. It's the yeah. quote engagement, which is why their apps are always pushing engagement and pushing, you know, if you respond to the thing, then you get more, you know, then your algorithm, blah, blah, blah. It's like, they want you to spend more time on it. Totally, of course they and do, yeah. you kind of also have to be like, you don't own me, phone. Like, I feel like a little indignant where I'm like, you don't get to be the boss of me. I don't, I, I am smarter than that. And I did promise to start reading this year and I haven't done that as much, but I, of course, am reading The Guest like everybody else in New York. Ooh, I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Yeah, I finished I'm, I'm it. halfway through. But last year when I was in Italy and I was I was doing a lot of reading because I was on vacation alone, but I went to dinner and I would like read my book, but like sometimes I would just put my phone in the book <laughs> and like was like scrolling. And That's then at one point bad. I was like, this is insane. I know, I was like, this is pathetic. <laughs> and I had bad. to be like- 
So now what I do, which is like extreme measures, is I will physically leave the house to like go for a walk. And I announce to anyone who's in the room, I'm leaving my phone at home. Because yes. I want to be congratulated, but I also want to yeah. be held accountable. Well, of course. It's like, well, what course. if I see a picture of a thing that I need to do? It's like, nope, you don't. I know. You don't. I know. Leave it at home. That's the thing where you like convince yourself you need it. And that's what I'm telling you. I'm like, I don't use this for work. I'm not really engaging with anyone. Everyone I talk to, again, I have, the, we could text. I also have their phone number. One of my most successful friends who is an actor who had like an incredible year this year, like had a buzzy movie. She's like very it girl isn't on Instagram. She deleted that shit years ago because she's like, it's not good for my mental health. It's not good for my two kids. And it's not good for me. And so she deleted it and she doesn't need it to be successful or have a great career. I have one more tip that I just thought of that really helped. I put my Instagram, which is for me the worst one that I really Mm. don't like, I spend so much time, I put it on the last page of the iPhone. (gasps) So it's not on the main, when you open it, I only have like I don't have anything that I, you know, really love on the first one so that you, you really, it's crazy because you pick up your phone and if you see it, you're going to go to it. So, you know, I put it, I put it on the back, which really helped me. Huge. Like spend less time. Yeah. And even before I deleted Twitter, I never had the app. I only used it on browser. That's really smart. Yeah. So just make it harder for yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And eventually over time, you will... Be like, oh, I don't want it as much. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the same as like, if you're with people and no one's looking at their phone, you aren't. And then once one person does it, everyone does. Everybody so it's like, does oh, it. You break, break out your phone. Seal. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's also like when I've done this, when I have people over or like, you know, you're doing a long weekend with friends or something, it's like, instead of shaming somebody for being like, why don't you be more... Pre-? It's like, okay, everybody, we're going to have a little phone time. Totally. It's like, I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm going to look at my phone for 20 minutes. Don't talk to me. Yes. And that's fine. So true. And it's like so nice when people do it. I'm going to alleviate my anxiety by not having looked at my phone by looking at it. And then, <laughs> and then we're going to move on. Yeah. Tinks is right in that it is designed to be addictive and it is doing its job. So, like the fact that you are addicted to it is really not our fault, but there are ways to be aware of that and then like mitigate that addictive negative something with something that's like equally as fulfilling, maybe less addicting and, and less harmful to our mentals. Yeah. I just hate the uselessness of it. Like I'm just doing it out of habit. So I think that's good. Put it somewhere else. Break the habit of like automatic to it, to it. Anytime I get like one second. Yeah. The productivity is really tough for me. And that like, I also feel like if I had spent that 10 hours doing the things that I should have been doing, I would not be as stressed out right now. But instead I'm like wasting my literal time. Oh, also I can't believe I forgot to bring this up. My last and final tip is cooking. Yes, And I think there's a reason why I Mm -hmm. love doing it. And it is because it actually, I mean, well, it is my job, but it is also some of the only time in my day where I'm not looking at my phone because I can't, because I'm physically making something. And it is like a, a thing that like you're putting, I mean, at least for me, like I'll leave my phone in another room by accident, humble brag. But it is like, I truly you don't. You get wrapped up in it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm doing a task. And yeah. feeling productive, feeling like I'm making something, feeling like I'm, even if, you know, if it's creative, it's because I have to yeah. for work or whatever, is like, I'm doing something meaningful. And I'm not even tempted to look at my phone because I'm actually busy. So make a stew, you know, roasted chicken. Yeah. <laughs> roasted chicken. I love that. Yeah, roasted chicken. That's perfect. Yeah. We could have summed that up by just being like roasted chicken, but <laughs> just roasted chicken. That's always like the advice, honestly. 
I hope that was helpful. And that congratulations so on your growing fam. So, I know yeah. we're, you know, we're doing what we can. They're being quiet right now. So love them for that. Couldn't even hear that. them. Didn't even know they were there. So. They're, they're, you know, they're far away. Well, I'm glad you were taking time out of your day to do this. We appreciate that. I know it can be tough to like squirrel away for a second. No, this was amazing. Thank you guys for having me. This is wonderful. Yeah, Thank thanks you. Thanks for calling. Awesome. Thanks for calling. I also shop instead of going on <sighs> Instagram and that's so bad. What are your like biggest shopping portals? <laughs> what do you frequent? It's so, okay. Some of it is real, real and Poshmark, which is, yeah. in my opinion, akin to Zillow because it's fun. It's about the hunt. Like it's mm-hmm. like you're really, it's like more of a skill. But then yeah. I'm on Net-A-Porter, Forward, My Teresa, I'm on all that shit too. Just Oh yeah. Moda Operandi, give it to me. Oh my God, Moda. I'm on it every day. Also Amazon, that's actually toxic. And I literally go on I Amazon know. and I order something. I'm like, I do I'm adding these. to cart every second of the day. Illness. I feel like Moto Operanda I like, but I it is tough for me because I'm such an instant gratification person. I get excited about something and it's like shipping October 28th. You have like, to filter well, no. to available now. You have to yeah. filter. I could literally never. Like I no. get so annoyed when I'm on Instagram and some brand will be like, oh, buy this. And I'm like, okay, I will. And they're like, it will come in three weeks. I'm like, three weeks? Could buy I'm dead like, by then. I need I'm it not, now. Exactly. I'm not <laughs> clicking to buy for three weeks from now. <laughs> Thank oh you, but pass. God. Yeah, it's yeah. tough. It's tough out Literally. there. I also love when people ask questions that I'm I'm like, oh, I don't actually have an answer for you. And then I and then I like come up with like these words of wisdom where I'm like, wow, what would my life look like if I took my own advice? What would it yeah, look like? Yeah, exactly. Well, but no, but I think it's always better we'll to talk to it and be like, I'm not totally sure, but like this is an idea that I have, you know? Yeah. This is a thing that might happen one day for me. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Let's go to our next caller. Hello, friends and solicited advice listeners. I am here to tell you about Airbnb. I love going to the farmer's market in whatever city that I'm traveling in. And the ideal scenario is that like, I can at least once on my trip cook a really nice dinner for myself and whoever I'm traveling with. If I have some friends in the city, they can come too. But it just feels more personal. It feels more intimate. And I've had some of my most memorable travel moments staying in an Airbnb. It's also such a great way to travel with friends because you can get a big house and there can be multiple bedrooms and you can all share your meals together. And you can like really be at home at an Airbnb. And the nice thing about traveling is that, you know, you might be thinking, well, what's going to, who's going to stay at my house? I'm staying at someone else's house. Who's going to stay at mine? Well, you could consider being a host and then you can return the favor to somebody else and provide for them the same kind of excellent service that somebody is providing for you. And your home might just be worth more than you think. You can find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, friends and listeners of Solicited Advice. I am here today to tell you about a brand new cookbook. It's called Korea World. It is written by Dookie Hong and my friend Matt Rodbard, and they wrote that book, Koreatown, which was wonderful and amazing and full of great recipes. Um, This is a little bit different. It is sort of like an evolution of Korean cuisine, both in Korea and also different Koreatowns across the United States, of which there are so, so many. And it is a beautifully shot book. Alex Lau, you did a great job. Vibrant photographs, delicious looking recipes, and really incredible stories. Um, If you are interested in food at all, or cooking at all, or culture at all, you will love this book. Korea World is available right now wherever books are sold. All right, our next caller is Sandy calling from Virginia. Welcome, Sandy. 
Hi. Hi, Sandy. Hi. Hi. May I ask you my question? Yes, you are talking to Tinks tonight and we are here to help you. Both of you are going to be incredibly helpful. Um, So (laughs) I have a young granddaughter who surprised me at age five by being aware of her aura. She walked into a room wearing something that she loved and actually was like noticing that people were noticing her. I am concerned that that self-confidence, which is great, could lead to her being put in a box that people see her as the pretty girl or or the, the girl who dresses in cute outfits um, or something like that instead of being seen for the other layers that she is seen. And I don't know how I can help her to um, navigate having self-confidence and being like you, Allison, where you can walk into a room and know that you look good and know that people are noticing you, but that doesn't affect your impression of who you are. And that is my concern as somebody who's trying to to provide a little external guidance without um, without shaming. It's not shaming. It's without saying, oh, don't value the way that you look. Value your brains. You know, value everything that you are. Yeah. How old is she now? She's only five, okay. but that was the shocker <laughs> for me that she walked in to this restaurant and actually cast an eye over as she walked in. She had a dress with sequins that was sparkling around the room. And, she, and people were like, whoa. And I'm like, my daughter was very smart and very pretty and got to a point in school where she decided that being pretty was more important, which could have torpedoed her success. Um, until her best guy friend said, I don't date dumb blondes, which was like the best thing that anybody could have ever said to her, much better than anything I could have said. But I don't want to have to get to that point with this little one. Hmm. Hmm. This is very interesting, actually. I'm I'm sort of more, what, do, what is your daughter, Tings, I'm sure you have a lot to say about this. I. What does your daughter say about, like, have you spoken about it to her? Yeah, which is why I'm speaking to you. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, what does your daughter say? Yeah, so she uh, she sees the same thing and she sees her as um, as having this great self-confidence, but also I, I think she's, I think the granddaughter is hearing it from other outside forces, um, you know, that are valuing that versus my daughter's value. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of other grandparents and stuff involved where, you know, oh, you look so pretty. Oh, this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's always just that. Yeah. And and that box is just terrifying to me because as we all know, that's not the box you want to be in for a happy life because it's, it's transient, you know, no matter yeah. how stunning you are. Sure. And I think that's like good to be aware of that. And I'm I'm not a child development expert. And so the five-year-old of it all is giving me pause in yeah. terms of like advising that specifically. But- yeah. I do think that we can both speak to, A, she's five, right? And so I think that there's a lot a, a lot of road between five and 15 and like mm-hmm. how a person perceives himself and how attractive they are, what that value system is. And between 15 and 30 in terms of like career and ambition, like there's so much that happens. But something that I heard as my friends started having kids a lot of them are like reading a lot of parenting books, which I'm not yet. But one very, very common thing that I hear, especially when they have little girls, is they're always saying like, 
you know, we read that or we're trying to not or whatever, always say like, you're so beautiful mm-hmm. or you're so pretty. Because if it's a boy, it's like, oh, you're so tough. You're so strong or whatever. And like, that's, I'm sure parenting books are evolving every day. And there's probably a lot more like up to date contemporary versions of that. But I still think that like, even in the year, our Lord 2023, the first thing you say to a, a very young baby girl, toddler, whatever is like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. And I don't, I, st- I, and I think that we should be aware of that, but I also don't think that being hot or beautiful or pretty or attractive or sexy should be a pejorative. And I don't think that right. that takes away from the possibility, the power, the, the potential to also be like extremely successful, extremely intelligent, extremely respected. Yeah, I think that that's a really good way to put it. I don't know. I'm again. I I don't have kids. I'm not a child development expert, so I I do. You know, I just want to reiterate that. But I I'm torn because on the one hand, I totally understand what you're saying, and I you know it's it's difficult. I think that women grow up thinking that the only thing that matters to them is their looks. But at the same time, women have such a hard time being confident in this world that I think that if a little girl is showing signs of confidence and self-esteem, I feel that that's a good thing. I, you mm-hmm. know, I think that women are complex and I, I hear you about the box. I, I, I just feel as though there are so many women out there who are not confident, who grow up self-conscious or worried about people like perceiving them or, or, you know, just feeling not good about their bodies, which is our home on earth, that I'm almost like, you know, she's so young, maybe just go with the confidence for now, but at the same time, marry it with different types of praise and feedback. You know, you're so smart and, oh, wow, you're so articulate. You're so observant, all of that kind of stuff too. But I don't think that confidence at five, uh, you know, even if it is because of her sparkly dress, like, I don't know, to me, that's just like, that's the beginning of something. And it's, and it's, it's like, how can you nourish that and also give other compliments? Yeah. You don't want to take away her walking into a room and feeling good about herself. She should always feel that way. Because so few women do walk into rooms and feel good about themselves. So Mm -hmm. it's like, if she can hold on to that, then that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I feel like I was sort of, there were like various elements of my childhood that like led to me wanting, like feeling like I had to shrink my personality or like shrink myself. And I had to spend a lot of time in therapy in my late, mid to late twenties and early thirties to like work my way back from that. And I wish that I had been more encouraged as a kid to feel confident that I had like a big personality and like the confidence to, to, it's kind of blind confidence at five, right? You're like, I look amazing. This dress is so nice. I feel totally. great. Like, yeah. great. Like, I don't, again, five is an age that I'm not familiar with, but I just think that a person at any age, if they're like, I really feel myself in this and I'm going to act like it, should not be perceived as something that we should squash because we think it's going to somehow mitigate like people taking them yeah. seriously or they're going to like set themselves exactly. up to fail in the future. As long as you, like Ting said, reinforce the intelligence, the like being a good person, like being kind, being generous, being, you know, aware, being attentive, being a good listener, you know, all these things that we value in a person or whatever your values are, encouraging those things. Like that sounds like a recipe for an excellent human. Thank you. 
And also like if fashion is like an expression of who we are, I think mm-hmm. that that's like also a great way to connect expression and creativity with like our inner working. So if she loves the sparkly dress, you know, it's like, why did you pick this dress? What do you like about sequins? Mm -hmm. Do you like pink sparkles or blue sparkles? Like that is such an interesting connection that we have as humans that I think is so beautiful. So it's like, if, if she's getting, it's maybe it's like also parsing out like, yes, she's obviously a gorgeous little girl, but it's also like, she's getting noticed for her expression of what she's feeling inside. Like, okay, we can use clothes as a way to explore how we're feeling and explore different mm-hmm. sides of ourselves. And I think any fostering of that creativity will also serve her so well in life and can ultimately become an outlet and an expression of, of her, her inner creativity. Yeah. That's wonderful. She sounds fun. Yeah, she sounds she's amazing. She's a blast. <laughs> It was just very interesting. I I just have never seen, a, and she wasn't obnoxious, but it was just like, yeah. I and I think that we good. we really want to protect people in our lives so much, especially yeah. young people. And we're like, oh, I've seen the, this person grow up to be X, and that scares me, or whatever. And I think that like it's like a one day at a time thing, especially in your role, because I'm assuming not the primary caregiver. You have this really special role where you're like able to to like give everything that you, like, you're like, here's what I would like to see in this person, I imagine, you know? And it's like, I want them to feel confident and like themselves and like they're expressing themselves. But I also want to remind them that like books are cool and reading is fun and all these other things that like help you determine who they are. You sound like a wonderful grandmother, Sandy. Thank you. And she sounds like a wonderful person. And you guys are awesome. <laughs> you're awesome. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you for calling. Thanks so much. That's a tricky one. I I mean, for me, like I'm always so like tread really lightly because I don't have kids and I can never imagine what it's like to have kids because I don't. But to me, I'm like, I talk to so many women every day who are fighting to have the self-esteem and the confidence to like ask for a promotion at work or not take shit in a relationship or feel even just like look in the mirror without hating themselves. I feel like, oh my God, any confidence that we have in little girls, we need to like protect with our lives because it's so, it's so important. And it's like, she's, I feel like, you know, she's so little. It's like, it's, that's when we have the confidence. And then all of a sudden girls are like, we become aware of our bodies and we become aware of the beauty standards. And we're 13 and we're like, you know, that's right around when it starts. Like everyone remembers the first time they were like, wait, my body doesn't look like those bodies on TV or wait, I don't look like those girls. Like, am, am I not pretty? Mm-hmm. So to me, I think safeguarding any confidence in tandem, talking about other great things is important, but I I don't think that it's necessarily bad. And also it's just like yeah. bad or good. It's kind of like, I don't know. I, I just think that it's... It seems just... My takeaway is raising children seems terrifying. <laughs> and like... So terrifying. You're like, oh, terrifying. if I do this too much, they're going to be like overly confident and everyone's going to hate them or they're going to have no self-esteem and then they're going to have a terrible life. Like you're just like, oh God, like how do you... I, I don't know. I, I was sort of like, I need to get a better handle on my confidence and self-esteem before I have kids because I want to be very well like poised to be able to teach them to have it. But I'm like, well, I can't teach them to have it if I don't have it. That's so, really self-aware of you. Working on that. 
I am, I mean, that's awesome. Good for you. It's a process. That's why you're here. This is actually now where I ask you advice on how to have confidence. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe no more children questions <laughs> until I until I have them. I like children's questions, but because I am a woman on the internet for three years, I have um, qualifying disease where I have to qualify 700 times because I have trauma of being like, but you don't have that. So I'm always yeah. like, I don't, I understand, but I'm just like, have a thought yeah. that, you know, whatever. I put on in my like two home movies episodes ago, I was making something and I was like, and I do this periodically when I feel like it's a recipe people are going to get like very defensive about or like over, yeah. over like hyped on in a negative way when they're like, yeah. I'm like, I am just a lady on the internet making food that tastes good to her. And that exactly. is the new name of the show. That is... All I am qualified to do. We can't get a sentence. I can't get a sentence out. It's it's actually like from internet PTSD, but I'm like, yeah. I just think, but I don't know anything. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm just saying yeah. like, this might offend you, but it might not, but I'm really sorry. And also, and I'm, just, I'm sorry. And also, and also I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. <laughs> and also, I'm so sorry. And it's like, mm, perfect. And yeah. then, then I'm like, wait, why do we need to knock this little girl's confidence down again? No, 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 no. Right. I know so many women in their 30s who are still like literally struggling. And and it's not even like, the thing is also about confidence. It's like, it's so not linear because you can be confident and then something happens and you just completely lose yourself. And oh, yeah. I don't know anything about that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's exactly that. But also like, I think that was the other thing like with, it's like with this podcast or I don't know if you experienced this with like with your book or whatever, when you're like, well, who am I to do this? And you're like, wait, so many like men just are constantly like, oh, I'm going to do this. And they do it. And there's never, yeah, no one asks exactly. any credentials. So it's funny that that question was sort of like, how do you encourage without over-encouraging? And I'm kind of like over-encouraged, like course I'm like correct. over-encouraged. Like I, and I'm not being overly man-hating, but I just think that so many- <laughs> You're over, you're qualifying. I, yeah. I am. I know. I tell my followers all the time I have qualifying <laughs> disease and they, they're really sweet. The, like the, they encourage me. They're like, just say it. It's fine. Like, it's fine. Yeah. But I think so many boys are raised this way of like being perfect and like being told that, and it's just, it's like, Lord, give me the confidence of a mediocre white man or the audacity. And mm -hmm. it's like, I listen to these girls every week being torn up about these guys and torn up about like, oh my God, I can't ask for a promotion or like, oh, I keep getting overlooked at work, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if I have a daughter, you better believe I'm gonna wake her up every morning and I'm gonna say, you deserve the world. You are the prettiest girl out there. You are gorgeous and stunning exactly as you are. You can have anything that you want and you deserve it and you better not take any shit from anybody. I'm literally gonna have yeah. mantras taped up around my house if I have a daughter because I'm like- Write it on lipstick on the mirror. Li just literally. Every morning a new, yeah. a new something. Yeah. Yeah, if, if I feel like if you do that and a, a tiny- woman grows up with like a fraction, like holds on to like a fraction of the confidence and is able to live her life with that. Like everybody's done a great exactly. job. Exactly. Like we're we're like deficited by the time we reach our mid to early to mid thirties. No, it's literally. Like and you don't even realize how bad it is. I feel like until you're in your late twenties, because you're like, wait, I actually like, what have I been doing? This is really, I just, yeah. yeah so I'm like, oh, I'm going to go out and get, I will say like with each passing moment of creeping closer to 40, I am feeling more, I don't know if it's confidence and I don't think it's self-esteem, but I think it's like a, like an understanding that nobody else has more than, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like yeah, assuming yeah. that like it's going to come out. And I'm like, oh, 
And it, it is true what they say about giving fewer fucks. And yeah, watch out. When I'm 50, it is over for everyone. I will, I will have reached my full potential. Yeah, I, for me, that was like honestly a big reason why I wrote the book is because it's basically a self-worth guide. It's like, it is about dating mm-hmm. and, and whatever, but it's really about self-worth because I, I was totally unaware of how little I had in my 20s, which showed up in my friendships, my relationships, the, what I accepted at work, like everything. And it's, it's hard. Like, I don't think that there's a magic pill and I don't think that there's anything that older women can say, like a one nugget thing that we can say to younger women to, to skip out, skip over the, the years of self-loathing. But if I can impress upon younger women or anyone out there who wants to work on it, that like you can work on it and you deserve more and exactly what you're saying, like give fewer fucks, all that stuff. Like that is to me like the work and that's what I care about. But that's, Mm -hmm. that's literally why I did it. Because when I hit 30, I was like, wait, I'm actually okay. Like I'm actually like a a normal good person and like I'm doing my best and I don't deserve to feel bad every day. Like, you know, so. I know. Let's all feel, try and feel better every day. Amen. As a, as a side note, my husband is, we started watching Girls for him for the first time. He just never watched it. And he was like, because he, he like works, That's he like works so in good. movies and does stuff. And he was like, I think like it was too close, like yeah. you know, age. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I just, I skipped it. And we're watching it and we, I had, we had a friend over last night and we're all, we're like making our way through the first season mm-hmm. and watching Hannah Horvath, like have her dating experiences and like yeah. especially her relationship with Adam is so horrifying and no it's we're so all bad. like oh no but that we did we that. did it like that was us no I know the like weird pumping sex and the like lifeless like laying the no no texting back yeah the chasing oh. of the boys like literally chasing boys who just did not <sighs> like you no okay no. I literally we have to do a whole nother podcast on this because I re <laughs> I rewatched it at the beginning of the year and the first time around oh, you did I was like that age and so then at the beginning of the year, I always do dry January because I really like like to like make merry in December, if you know what I mean. And <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> I mean, I like to make merry honestly every day, but like it's a three sixty five yeah. merry making situation for me. But yeah, I get. It. I literally like. I'm a. I'm a big. How do you, I was raised in England. I can never remember the way that you say it in America, hedonist or hedonist here. Either way. Hedonist. I'm a hedonist. Yeah. Hedonist, we would say. But anyway, so I was like, I need to get into a show. So I rewatched it and I was like, oh my God, that was so the time. Like we were so millennial. Like we were so, oh my God. And it's just, it's the best show ever. I am, I'm honestly almost ready to rewatch it. I'm so obsessed with it. You should. And I'm, we're all like so jealous that he's doing it for the first time because we're just like, oh, just you wait. Just you wait to see what happens to Charlie. You know what? Oh. I can't, I couldn't even watch in my rewatch. I couldn't watch the last episode. It made me too sad. Like just because it was over yeah. and I'm a really yeah. like nostalgic, emotional person, I like couldn't do it. It's over and so are your early 20s. Exactly. You and know? then it's like R. you R. all have to grow up and I'm like, oh no, I think I'll just start from the beginning again. But also yeah. it's so funny that at the time they were like, this is so like revolutionary. Like, oh my God. Like, and then I'm looking back and I'm like, Everyone on here is like really pretty and like, I, I don't know why everyone thought it was so out there to have, you know what I mean? They they, it, they thought it was so like yeah. pushing the boundaries. And I was like, it's just called like- They're like, wait till euphoria comes on the yeah, scene. It's you just guys like, thought yeah. you saw young people? I don't know. Mm-hmm. The writing is brilliant. I love Lena Dunham's writing and I just, I think it's fascinating and wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Good, um, good segue. Well, good if you feel on. like a rewatch, let me know. I'll let you know what episode we're on. <laughs> This is sort of the portion of the podcast where I was like, oh, maybe the whole podcast can be like this because 
I had gotten so tired of answering like the same like quippy short questions, like yeah. which yes. tended to be mostly cooking related. So this is like, this was the the kernel of where this podcast started that I began on my newsletter that is like, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it audibly. Love because it. Because I Love it. just couldn't do it the other way anymore. But it's fun. It's short. But you as a wonderful home cook have, feel free to weigh in. So let's Great. take our first caller. Hi there, Noah in Los Angeles here. In your opinion, what is the optimal amount of dry vermouth to include in a martini? For the sake of science, let's say the vermouth is something standard like Dolan Dry. And lastly, how do you order that drink at a bar without sounding like the most pretentious person alive? Because I'm tired of paying $17 for what's mostly just cold gin. Thanks. Wow. Wow. Well, that that's like a value add martini if it's mostly gin, but I hear you. Yeah. I am a martini drinker, but I, I like a very, very dry martini. I just like, I ask for a vermouth rinse. Oh, That's wow. all I want. Okay. Yeah. And I have a vodka martini. So my order is, and it's annoying, but you always sound like a bit of a douche when you order martini. So it's like, you have to just get over it. And so I like look up with puppy dog eyes and say, please may I have a vodka martini? Do you have Chopin? You do? Okay, perfect. If not, um, Tito's is fine. I would love a vermouth rinse. And then blue cheese olives, do you have those? Oh, perfect. If not, then a twist is fine, but absolutely not dirty. Thank you. Wow. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. That was elegant and grown and sexy. You know, I feel Thank like you. ordering a drink with confidence is not make you a douchebag, especially if you are accommodating and like flexible, you know? Totally. Yeah. Just like the acknowledgement of like, if not, that's fine, but here are my preferences yeah. because but this is my preference. I think most bartenders, enjoy doing it right. Like they want to give you the drink. I agree. I agree. I agree. They want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like totally. Yeah. So I think, so that's funny because I have the exact opposite martini order, which is I want it like wet as hell. I want it like- No way. Drippy drip in the pool, in the ocean, in the sea. Ah, wet, wet, wet. I love wet. it. I want 50-50. I want half gin or vodka. No, and Allison, half Oh my God, them. really? Yeah. I want it like I'm dying. Wet. And I also think like Dolan is the perfect martini- Vermouth. Oh, that's so funny. I think all of their vermouths are wonderful and I enjoy sipping them like on the rocks or in a spritz, but I think for for a martini, Dolan is the gold standard. That's wild. And so I guess if I were ordering the martini, I would say, they would say, what can I get you? And I'd say, can I please have a vodka martini with an olive and a twist? Or I'll say, can I please have a 50-50 martini with vodka and an olive and a twist? Thank you so much. And that's it. Oh my God. But I go through phases like seasonally, like- we're heading into fall, autumn, winter, cold. I do tend to go dirty in the in the winter. You do, yeah. yeah. I can't or have, Gibson. I can't do it. pearl onion style. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just really want like a cup of vodka with like a little snack on the side. So that's, <laughs> And that's fair. I feel like you might like a Gibson. Although if a Gibson has that's more the onion, you know. I know it's an onion and it's vermouthy. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I also maybe. recently found out that martini olives when sold as such, are not just the visual green olive with the pimento in it, but they're actually soaked in vermouth. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. They're like, so it's like a vermouth brine or something, but that's a how vermouth they're sold. Brine. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah, just that like makes sense. the look of them. So oh, can, I really want a martini now. I know, I'm craving same. one. So you can kind of only oh use God. them for martinis, which I'm just realizing, but that's fine. Mm, I love drinking. But TLDR, don't worry about sounding like an asshole. Like, just be if, nice. If you're not just an asshole, so you won't nicely. be an asshole. <laughs> 
Right, exactly. And and it's fine. And and it's like, to his point, if you are going to spend $17, get what you want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's fine to ask for what you want. Exactly. That's that's the really the takeaway of this question. But also the, the clarifying element is also the vermouth, how much vermouth in a martini to get the martini you want is very different. Exactly. Because as we just learned, yeah. I want a lot, Tinks wants almost none. And so yeah. understand your own preferences Mm-hmm. And then like, then you know how to ask for it every time. And also the last bit of advice I'll give is that some bars aren't good. My favorite restaurant in the world makes a million martinis a night. It's like classic steakhouse. Their, their martini is very dry. It is like not my preference. It is not how I like it. It is basically a cup of vodka or gin. Yeah. But I love it. And I would never ask them to make it differently. That's just how they make it there. And you respect that. Totally. So anyway, thanks for calling. Next caller. Hi, Alison. It's Olivia here calling from Auckland, New Zealand. I would like to know why you specifically call for cold butter in your cookie recipes. I only have a handheld electric beater and trying to cream the cold butter and sugar is no easy feat. I often end up with a good amount of the mixture splattered about the kitchen instead of in the bowl. Can I use softened butter instead? And what difference will this make to my delicious cookies? Thank you. Delightful accent. Well, okay, so the handheld mixer is tough, I will admit, and you can let your butter come a little bit to room temp. But the reason I use cold butter in my cookies, specifically shortbread, is because soft butter has a tendency to mean a different thing to many different people. And soft butter can be very greasy. And if you think about soft butter that's been left out on your countertop, especially if it's warmer or you know, kind of warm-ish in your house, things tend to be less fluffy and more flat and dense, right? So like you cream the butter and sugar and what you're left with is sort of like a greasier, denser mixture. And when you have cold butter, it stays intact longer, right? Like softened butter is on its way to being melted butter versus cold butter, which is very, very solid. So beating that with your sugar, you get something like very, very sturdy, which means you can incorporate more air, which means it can be lighter and fluffier, meaning your entire dough will be more delicate. So like the more, you could do like an A-B test actually if you did cold butter versus very soft butter and your cookie dough would have a different density mass. Like you could get like three logs of this dough versus like two and a half logs of the other dough. Like there is a visual difference and also that translates to how dense your final cookie will be. So that's why. But if you feel like it is simply gonna break your machine or you can't do it or you won't do it, then I think like, giving your butter like an hour on the counter head start is good. But the second that it starts to look shiny rather than matte, you know that your butter is too soft. So just be careful. I have nothing to add. (laughs) Hey, Allison, this is Bo. I was calling because I just wanted to see if you thought like sour cream Greek yogurt could always be swapped one for one or if there's a time when I should use one or the other. Thanks. Mm. Oh, Bo, I love that question. Are you a sour cream or Greek yogurt person, Tiggs? I am a sour cream lass, you know. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I think that there's a time and a place for Greek yogurt. Look, I'm not going to put granola on sour cream. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's would be my answer. I'll let you speak, but I think it does irk me when people are like, and you can have Greek yogurt instead of sour cream. I'm like, yeah, I could. Yeah, I'm not going to put Greek yogurt on a baked potato. Are you exactly? Yeah, no. I I do think there's a time and a place. I often will give a swap when it doesn't matter. So in my recipes, when I write, I can only speak to my own recipe writing style, but 
So I can't say that always it's good, but if I believe in the swap, I will give it to you. I will say Greek yogurt, lavender, sour cream. Yeah. yeah. All I ask mm-hmm. is that they're all full fat. But like, if you're making like a stew or a soup and I'm asking you to finish it with sour cream, chances are Greek yogurt will work in its place. Or right. sometimes I write like okay. a pound cake recipe calling for Greek yogurt or sour cream because both work, right? They both have like yes. a similar fat content, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, like granola and yogurt is granola and yogurt. It's not sour right, cream and right. yogurt or yeah. sour cream and granola. Because, ew, I don't want to eat that. And I don't want to put Greek yogurt on a baked potato. But you know people on the internet are doing that all the time now. They're like, I found a way to lighten up this famous sour cream and onion dip by just using this. And it's like, you can. And well, I guess that's a horrible example because my sour cream and onion dip actually uses 50% Greek yogurt and sour cream. But it's not a lighten up. It's a uh, tang it up. Make it tangier. Right. So... Sometimes, but not always, is my final answer. But I think also like use your discretion. Another good cheat is if you're like, oh, I'm just shy of sour cream for something, mix in a little yogurt, stir it around, and it'll mostly taste like sour cream. Like if you're if you are doing a baked potato. Hi, Allison. My name is Julia. I'm calling from Seattle, Washington. And I'm wondering what is the secret to curating a great dinner party guest list? Thank you. I love, especially as I get older, bringing people together that don't know each other. Mm. It's like dreaming up like who's going to be a good match. It's almost like your friendship matchmaking. And it's like nice when not everyone's a couple. It's nice when you are introducing people that you think are going to vibe, especially if there's like potential to have them be in the same room again at a a party or an event. And you're like, oh, you're both going to da-da-da-da. Like just kind of introing. It's like a very safe space to like make new friends as an adult which is yeah. very difficult and annoying. It's really difficult and annoying, yeah. I love putting people together who I think are going to vibe. I would say the only thing I always do is I have one or two what we call in my friend group universal donors. Mm-hmm. And a universal donor is a friend who can talk to anybody and be really good in any type of situation. They can vibe up, they can vibe down. You know, So as long as you have like one or two of those to like really keep it going when you're in the kitchen, that's all you need. And other than that, just use your best instinct. And it's really fun to have a mix of couples and single people, new people and old people, all that kind of stuff. I really think Allison's right that it's a one of the rare opportunities that you can make friends as an adult. I love throwing dinner parties. Not enough of my friends throw them. Ahem, if you're listening to this, you guys do it now. I'm sick of doing yeah, it. And it's a great place to meet people. So have fun with it too. Yeah, don't overthink it. Don't be too anxious, but I agree. Like you mm-hmm. definitely need somebody in the room who can carry the like vibe if you're busy. Like if you need to step away to do the cooking or leave the room or or whatever it is hosting, you know, thing that you're taking care of, you definitely need the room to not depend on you to set the tone. Like it really helps to have other people be like lending a hand in that energetic way. Even And also like, Someone who's like, okay, I know this person's always going to help pour drinks. This person's always going to help clean. Like, not just vibe-wise, but like helpful-wise where I'm like, this person definitely will be on time. This person definitely, you know, like you kind of have to map out your friend's personalities and let them play to their strengths. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but don't overthink it. Have like a good, like be like, who do I wish knew each other better? Or who haven't I seen in a long time? Because sometimes you do want to just keep it tight and be like, this is just like old school people that like, we don't otherwise get together and it's up to me to like make sure we're all in the same room. All right. Well, I think that is it for our chef's kiss hotline. 
Tinks, thank you so, so much for helping me answer those questions. And thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. That was a riot. I hope I get to... We get to hang in real IRL soon. I know. If you're in New York, let me know. I'll take you out for a very, very dry martini. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Maker's Mark. Solicited Advice is hosted by me, Allison Roman. Our podcast is produced by Jennifer Sullivan with the help of Elena Rodriguez-Via. Technical production and editing is handled by Red Rock Music. And our theme music was created by Yosef Monroe. You can watch a video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel. And for questions, sponsorship inquiries, or anything else, please visit us at allisoneroman.com slash podcast. <laughs>